<clears throat> this podcast is brought to you by the Almamac and Scientific Canada. It was recorded on the traditional territories shared between the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe nations. Enjoy. I feel like I just butchered that again, even though we <laughs> we just had the conversation. Okay. My research on <laughs> uh, light adaptation in the in the fish right now. I'm sitting in a kiddie pool, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite nice. Oh, that would be great. But it's oh, uh, not very professional. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Adam, and this week I'm going to be talking to Zian Chen about communicating science as a researcher and a grad student. But before we get to the interview, I'm excited to announce that as well as being a guest on this episode, Zian is one of our very first guest authors on the website, scientificcanada.ca. This is a big deal for us. One of my first goals I had with this project was to get us into a position where I could start sourcing articles from contributors, but I wanted to make sure I could do it ethically and do it right. In a lot of cases, young scientists and science communicators aren't really paid for their work. In a lot of cases, communicating research to the public, writing articles that don't end up in academic journals, or doing outreach, acti act or doing outreach activities is seen as uh, sort of a secondary or not as important as doing real research. Um, and a lot of aspects of academia seem to operate under the expectation that, you know, experts or grad students, anybody, will volunteer their time and expertise basically for free. And as much as I wanted to get Scientific Canada uh, publishing articles and taking contributions from, from experts and other people, uh, I didn't want to do it unless I could compensate the writers in, in some way, compensate them fairly. Really, the best thing would be money. Uh, and that's where our Patreon subscribers have come in. Now, at this point, we don't really make money on this, or I don't make money on this. Um, we still operate at a loss, um, considering website hosting and purchasing domain names, and, I mean, all of the time I spend recording and editing these podcasts and uh, uploading stuff to the site. But over the last year, I have been squirreling away some of the contributions from our Patreon, and because of our patrons, I've been able to start commissioning these articles for our website. So first, I want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers. Of course, we couldn't do this without your support. And second, I want to thank Zian Chen for, you know, taking a chance and writing an article for us. It's up now on scientificcanada.ca slash articles. So what she's written is this great piece about attending ComSciCon GTA. So this is a science communication conference. We've talked about it a few times on this uh, podcast. Um, it's the first one that's being hosted for the Greater Toronto Area, or GTA. <laughs> uh, so in her article, she's given you a whole load of takeaways that, uh, that she, she got from the conference. Um, I think that's it's super useful for anybody starting out in SciComm or anybody who just wants to, you know, get another perspective on how to communicate their science. And thirdly, all of this will, of course, always be free. The podcast, the articles, everything. But there's so much more I want to do with this platform. There's so many scientists and researchers with fantastic stories and opinions and so many different voices that need to be shared. And I want to help get these stories heard. So if you want to help us keep doing what we're doing, then... Um, I'd really just like you to consider joining our Patreon. Uh, you can 
you know, donate as little as a dollar per month, and that's helps immeasurably. I guess you can measure it. It's you're helping by one dollar per month, but that's fantastic. That's that it counts for a lot. Um, with these subscriptions, you're not going to get exclusive content, but you will get early access to the content. I want to make sure that everything is always free, but uh, I will generally put out episodes a little bit early before they air, perhaps, and some of our articles will go up a few days early. So uh, there's always that to look forward to, and there's occasionally little bonuses here and there, some maybe behind-the-scenes stuff or whatever. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, thanks again, Zian Chen. And we will see you on the other side. Oh, actually, one more thing. Uh, make sure you stick around after the interview. Um, trying a new little thing, a new little segment. Uh, I'm kind of excited about it. So we'll see you after we talk to Zian Chen. Here we go. And we are recording. Okay, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm Adam, and today we have a very special guest. Zian Chen. Hi, it's a pleasure to be invited to uh, for this interview. Well, thank you so much for, for being on. Um, so my understanding, you just came back from ComSciCon GTA, that's right? That's right, yeah. Cool, so you're a science communicator um, and you were learning some science communication. Um, but before we jump into the conference, you're also a science person. You do science, you're, you're in grad school, I, I presume? Yes, yeah. Uh, could you uh, give us a little taste of what kind of science you do when you're not uh, communicating? Sure. Um, so I work in a research lab um, at UFT, and um, mine is more like wet, li wet lab research. I do translational research, and what I base my research on is primarily animal models. So what we do is we design, as a researcher, you design a hypothesis. You um, we test these hypotheses using these animal models and then we just gather this data and we see whether we need to modify the hypotheses or not and yeah this is generally what people do in my field um, there's also clinical research where you look at patient data mm -hmm. um, yeah that's more like the an analyzing part and yeah I really enjoy it um, in my spare time, I, as Adam mentioned, I do a little bit of writing. So uh, that's what led me to come something. Very cool. And for people who are watching, uh, you might recognize that uh, ZN is in a hospital right now, got a, a mask on. So are, are, you, are you at work? You're taking some time off work to, uh, to, to talk to us today? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks so much for, for taking the time. Um, so maybe we'll just jump into uh, the conference um, stuff, not to keep you from from uh, work too long. So this conference took place over, was it three days, two or three days? Uh, three days, yeah. Okay, and it wasn't back to back. It was, um, the days were separated by some gaps, is that correct? Yes, so we had, uh, it was a pretty much a full day conference on the Saturday, and then the next Tuesday and Thursday were in the evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, and each day featured uh, several different speakers. Um, the first day was talking about how to promote your social media presence. Um, Tuesday was more about how to reach your community and uh, 
Thursday was more how to promote your science writing. And it's, yeah, it was really interesting. There was, uh, we were all, as NTDs, we who registered, we had to attend all three. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was, we had a lot of fun um, meeting new people and listening to those professionals. Cool. So you mentioned that you um, you do a little bit of writing as um, well. You've have you've done a bit of writing before uh, the conference even be began. Um, is that kind of um, what you're hoping to get out of the conference when you registered? More writing experience, or were you excited to learn about social media type stuff as well? Yeah. So. Um that's a good question. I came in the conference was I was it was advertised to me as a way to promote my writing, get my writing um, to be published by different papers. But then I realized that science communication is more about than just writing. It's also about promoting your brand, so to speak. Um, and then I was really interested in the social media part. Um, so yeah, well, before the conference, we all had to write. Uh, piece about either research or anything related to science communication aspect and then we had to get it peer-reviewed and by peers as well as professionals and then we came into the writing the conference excuse me by with each of us having a rough draft and it's up to us to decide where we want to get published after the conference um maybe we can maybe i can ask you about the social media stuff um are you are you on social medias as is like do you have a, a social media presence that you've been working on or, or is this something new for you um definitely something new for me i only have a facebook account that i've maintained since teenage years mm -hmm. um but i you know facebook right now is apparently not as hot anymore if you want to get your um, brand out it's better to use twitter and um Instagram, TikTok, it's, or like create your own website. That's that's what people are into nowadays. So that's something I figured out from okay. listening to the conference. Yeah. Any, did you learn anything surprising about the um, like science Twitter or science Instagram? Were you aware of uh, the science communities on those platforms or was that brand new as well? Um, I didn't, I wasn't aware that like science communication was as big as it is right now because I thought it was just like a few um, you know <laughs> like people there here and there interested in communicating about their research but yeah there's a whole community out there and everyone's just interested it's so easy to get connected to other people and that's quite amazing from yeah from my experience it seems like uh any given institution there might be just a, a handful of people who are into psychom type stuff but uh, once you get on the internet and those, you know, couple people that you know locally, you know, those people can meet people from the one city over or whatever, and it ends up being a pretty tightly knit, um, large community of, of people. Yeah. Uh, so are you planning on joining up to Twitter or Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, I'm thinking that I do want to further develop my specific brand and what I want to tell. There's this, um, one of the speakers that she was really inspiring. She had a, she's into makeup and she's also into the science. So she communicates through her makeup. Like she draws on her face different designs. So I thought that was pretty cool. And if I ever wanted to really get out there and focus on it, I, I would have to dedicate a significant amount of my time per week to you know, 
work on that part, aspect. Right. I guess um, I guess if somebody's teaching a social media um, or presenting on a social media platform, they're probably um, the goal probably is to you know help people who are trying to make that platform like their central focus of communication. Um, I personally don't really do that. I just kind of use it as a networking tool. Um, did you come away with any um, like tips on networking or or how to you know find like-minded people on those platforms? Yeah, we had an activity where um, one of the workshops was to uh, let's list the top twenty people that you follow on um, Twitter or Instagram or whatever, um, <laughs> and then from there the notes following the conference they had a few of those so if i were to get into that then i could just easily go through that list and follow those. oh cool yeah any chance uh, i could bother you to share that with me at some point yeah <laughs> for sure i can I, i'll definitely email the email you the list okay cool thanks that sounds like a really good resource um, it's um sometimes hard for me to find people to follow that are outside of my field. I'm pretty good at finding physics-y people and people who do the same research as me, but yeah. I don't really know anything about psychology or anything like that. So I would be kind of just following at random. So having those uh, recommendations is useful. Um, so maybe we can jump into the, uh, the writing portion. So there's another panel um, yeah. with a uh, professional science writer. Um, how did you how did you like that one did you pick up anything um any sort of learning moments anything worth reporting on <laughs> yeah um the speaker was dan falk uh he's written for a couple of different um outlets like uh i believe it's like um national geographic and yeah he's he was very honest and i say very humble about his experience as a writer he says a lot of the times when you're writing for science, it's like he found it difficult to manage both, you know, research and writing. So he focused solely on writing. Um, other people can do both of them, but um, you only have 24 hours a day. So when you're writing for something, it's you have to first pitch your idea to various uh, journals, and you have to do it quick because um, sometimes doesn't the idea doesn't come popular anymore. Um, yeah, so it's, you often don't get paid too, too much, but if you enjoy the, the writing process and, um, it's, it's worth it, it's worth a try. Interesting. Uh, right. So, so you mentioned that you've done some writing before. I, I sometimes try to ask people who, um, when I have scientists on who are into communication, are they like looking for a career as a, a scientist who communicates or are you potentially interested in like being a, a full-time like science communicator with a, a background in science but do you see yourself being a like a freelance writer or uh, somebody who does research and then also does outreach yeah i see myself as the latter um the reason being is it's something that i it's one aspect of uh, science that I enjoy. It's not, but it's not the complete picture of, you know, like when you're designing a project, when you're finding like your discoveries, it's not, it doesn't really bring the same element 
for the writing. It's the writing is more creativity and networking. So I think it's healthy to have like a like a mix of them, especially being a researcher in the future. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, people with writing who are interested in writing does final by all means go ahead. As I mentioned, there's only like 24 hours a day, so um, you definitely do a better job, in my opinion, if you dedicate all your time to writing. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about these um, SciComm conferences is you meet people kind of from both camps. You meet people who want to improve their communication to like as a supplement to their their research and academic careers and you meet people who you know want to be journalists they want to get out of the lab yeah. completely and and you know I, I feel like getting those two groups of people together is like really really useful yeah. uh, so uh to jump back into the write-a-thon uh can we get a little teaser of uh what you wrote about uh yeah, so it's unpublished so far. I haven't like worked more on it since the conference, but I basically wanted to write about um, the experience of research during COVID-19 as, you know, like many labs and got shut down almost immediately. And then that has like tremendous impact on graduate students' um, time until graduation. So like also a lot of people swerved their research focus to studying COVID-19. So I wanted to um, understand more about how this this pandemic really had an impact on progress of research um, and, and the science community. So it's something along that line. It just still needs to be a little bit more focused. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I could imagine I that being a, a full book if you wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing about writing is it should be focused. It's um, and it's best if you have a particular place you want to aim it at and, and you can further help you develop your writing. Yeah. Did you get um, any particularly good feedback from, uh, so my understanding from the write-a-thon is you get, um, you said you get sort of peer reviews from, you know, people from the conference and then also your expert. Did, yeah. did they give you any sort of um, solid, actionable advice that, uh, that you're going to take to your, your next edits? Yeah. So one thing that uh, I guess people in science tend to write is say the general public, but apparently that's a big no-no in <laughs> science writing because you should say broader community is a better alternative because if you say public, it's just like distinguishing yourself with your reader, um, increasing that distance and it makes your writing less attractive in general. And that was like a general theme in science writing as well during the conference to try to connect yourself with the reader. Um, yeah, that was uh, definitely invaluable. Okay, that's interesting. I never really thought about um, about you, the choice of words for referring to, you know, the public or uh, the broader community. I should say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you don't really want to um, set up the people who are reading it to be, you know, opposite to you, unless unless that's your goal. But you should be, I guess, aware that you're doing that when you're doing that. That's that's cool. Um, yeah. So, any other aspects of the the conference that you found particularly useful? Um, uh, yeah, I found that there was the networking session at the end. It was pretty helpful, and we all have every all the attendees email we can exchange with each other. Um, another one is the elevator pitch, which it's called Pop Talk. Um, all of the attendees have to have like a 
you know, jargon-free summary of our research and its importance. And that was slightly stressful, to be honest. But um, we, it really puts you in the mind of the audience to see whether they, like, would they actually understand? Like, would I understand something astronomy? Probably not, but something more biology-related, I would understand. So right. I have to basically make sure someone in astronomy can understand my research, and that was really, that was really challenging. Did you did you know that was coming up, or were you surprised by that? Um, Pop talks it, on the day that we're supposed to give it, we uh, were told so we can make ourselves look presentable, <laughs> um, not in our pajamas, but yeah, we don't know when in within the conference mm -hmm. times we're going to have. Well, based on your, your self-introduction at the beginning, it sounds like uh, you probably had a pretty good pop talk. I, I <laughs> You introduced yourself quite well. I enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, is there any place that we can go to uh, read some of your work or, or follow you on some sort of social media? Or if uh, listeners want to um, learn more about the stuff that you do, is there anywhere that uh, we can send them? Um, I'm developing a personal website, so if one stack comes out, like I'll let you know. But so far, um, <laughs> not not too much. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, keep me uh, in the loop with your website URL, and I'll definitely throw that in the show notes. Cool. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing uh, more stuff from you, and uh, it was great to meet you. And yeah, thanks again. Have a good day. Thanks for having me. All right, you too. All right, welcome back. Uh, thanks again to Zian Chen for joining me this week. And be sure to read her article on scientificcanada.ca. That's our website. And like I was teasing before, uh, before we go, I want to try this new segment. Still workshop in the name, but I don't know, maybe I'll call it the Journal Club or something. That's... It's not horrible. It's, it's all right. Um, we'll see though. Anyway, this segment is uh, it's some highlights, some stuff I've seen around the internet this week, um, kind of like a news and views thing. Uh, so this week, I want to bring your attention to two things. Okay, so the first thing that I want to show you um, or bring your attention to is one of our good friends, friend of the show, Tarek Youssef. Uh, Tarek recently did a week-long takeover of the Royal Canadian Institute of Research, RCI Sciences, uh, social media accounts. Uh, as you recall, he's a, a neuro guy. He looks a lot at, um, how light affects the brain. He specifically uses fish. Fish. Um, but yeah, he did a, this fantastic, uh, little takeover, and I'm, I'll show you a little bit of what he did. Vision science in general. Yeah, let's let's really start excited. from the very beginning. Hi everyone, I'm Tarek. I'm 27. I'm a neuroscience PhD student at Dalhousie University in Halifax. And I can't wait to see ya. I'm really excited to hang out this week. We're going to talk a lot about blue light and sleep. I wrote an article about all this in the Conversation Canada. Uh, if you'd like to look for it in the links in the bio. And we're also going to talk a lot about well, just vision science in general, which is what I... Okay, that's just a little teaser. Um, what you're going to want to do is head over to Instagram.com uh, slash RCI Science. That's probably the best way to find it. I think it's probably on their website as well, but uh, but there you have it. 
that's the first little thing. Um, and second, so I, I tweeted about this a little while ago, but uh, uh, hold on, I got a little ahead of myself. Uh, second, the, the the second thing I want to direct you to is this, uh, this really cool thing that the Atlantic is doing. So they've started a new reporting office and email newsletter. So specifically, this is for climate change. It's called Planet, and let me just click over to that. Very pretty. Uh, so it's called Planet, and it's supposed to be more than just a dedicated column in the Atlantic about climate change. Uh, they're saying it's a completely distinct office and team, uh, and they're all committed to climate change as a sort of right here, right now threat that affects every aspect of everyone's lives, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and so they had a little primer on what you can expect from Planet in the Atlantic a, a few weeks ago. Uh, so I'm just going to read from their launch article a little bit. Uh, first, this is them. We will cover climate change in the present tense, not as a distant threat, but as a force that is already reconfiguring business, culture, society, and life on Earth. This outlook doesn't reflect our prediction about where the world is heading. We think a detached assessment of the facts allows for no other conclusion. Uh, second, we will recognize that the economy is made of real stuff. Purring servers. <sighs> Fields of alfalfa, wind-spun turbines, muscle and bone. Uh, so we'll also recognize that solving climate change and zeroing out carbon pollution requires getting elbow deep in reality. A gallon of gasoline isn't a price by the side of the road. It's a physical reserve of fossilized sunlight the refined residue of what was once 25 metric tons of ancient sea life. To leave fossil fuels behind, we must find a new source of energy to replace that prehistoric sun. Finally, we understand that climate change is too serious to be taken seriously all of the time. When Justin Bieber plays a laid-off oil rig worker in a music video, it isn't an entertainment story, or it isn't just an entertainment story, it's a climate story. When one in four childless adults says that climate change shaped their reproductive decisions. It is of course a climate story, but it's also a sex story. And when the government of Tulsa, Oklahoma repaints the giant downtown statue of an oil driller to look like Elon Musk, and then doesn't even get the Tesla factory it was angling for, it is very funny, in addition to being a scandalous, pathetic use of tax dollars. I think these are all true stories, by the way. That's a little aside. Uh, so all of the... I mean, they, they are true stories. So all of this is what you can expect from Planet by the Atlantic. And this is still them talking. I've been following this thing... F My mistake. Anyway, this is what you can expect from Planet by the Atlantic. And I've been following this thing for a couple weeks now, and I like it. It's pretty interesting. It's an interesting premise. Um, for, you know, they're starting this big, pretty much separate magazine devoted solely to climate change, and I think it makes a lot of sense. There are enormous culture shifts, there are enormous cultural shifts happening, uh, because of climate change, and they're happening right now all over the place. Climate change is really the one big problem facing humanity, and it makes sense to start treating it as one, um, under sort of a unifying lens. So if you want to take a look at this, uh, some of the articles I found particularly interesting, and uh, recently, um, there's one called, let's see if we can find it, The Best Way to Donate to Fight Climate Change, probably, by Robinson Mayer. 
this was kind of cool. It, it took like a quantitative look at uh, places where you can donate um, climate um, activists, activism uh, companies and things that you could donate and what they actually do, uh, where your money goes and what gives you the best bang for your buck. Uh, so that one was kind of cool. Uh, what else did I like? Um, I also found this one interesting. Photography has... <laughs> Photography has gotten climate change wrong from the start by Kim Beale and uh, Maybe one more. Um, I really liked what Donald Trump taught the electric car industry Actually a lot of these came to me through their uh, email newsletter um, So I recommend signing up for that. That's a, a pretty good start into this sort of stuff But yeah fresh take on climate uh, climate change and climate, you know the culture around it so I recommend checking it out. Um, you can find it by Googling Atlantic Planet or by going to theatlantic.com slash projects slash planet. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, just about it for this week. If you like the show, you can find more at scientificcanada.ca or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also join us on YouTube to watch the videos of uh, our interviews. Uh, we also have closed captioning on our YouTube channel. Uh, let's see. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash SciCan. S-C-I-C-A-N. Uh, thanks again to Zian for being on the show and writing our very first article. Um, and of course, I don't say this nearly enough. Thank you, Booney, for letting me use your music. Uh, you can download Booney's music um, specific, specifically their EP Not a Care in the World at their website boonie.rocks thanks for listening I'll see you next week <laughs>